Good morning, Chapel family. Well, I encourage you to take your Bibles, if you would, open to the Gospel of John in chapter 10. We're in the midst of a series looking at, looking here in John's Gospel to get to know Jesus better. And we're doing that by looking at phrases, places here in this Gospel where Jesus says, I am, and then proceeds to describe Himself. Today, our I am phrase is found in verse 7 there in chapter 10 of John. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. Then again, down in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. We wonder, what does Jesus mean when he says that He is the door. What comes to mind when you hear that? Is it a door like that? Or an old door like that? Or another door like that? Or a door like that? Or it... What do you think of when Jesus says, I am the door? We, we know that Jesus frequently taught using parables, using Stories, analogies, word pictures. And here is one, I am the door. What does it mean? If Jesus were speaking today, He would speak of things that we are very acquainted with. He would talk about computers. He would talk about sports. He would talk about cell phones. He would talk about, about um, shopping centers and malls. But in A.D. 30, He talked about things that were familiar with them. Some might be familiar images to us today, like doors. We have doors then. They had, they had doors then. We have doors now. But it's actually something a little different than what we might think of. And this analogy of the door is actually in the middle of a different analogy, a different word picture that's here. And um, some of the some of the, the analogies that Jesus uses are familiar to us, but some aren't. The bigger picture here that He has is one that we, is familiar to us because we hear about it fairly often in church. But on the other hand, it's not really part of our real life. Shepherds and sheep. We talk about it all the time. Matter of fact, we, Pastor Aaron, when he let, started us off this morning, he read from Psalm 95. And, and toward the end of that, he says that, uh, we are the sheep of His pasture. Speaking of God, the sheep under His care. One of the most beloved passages of Scripture that, uh, you know, there's, there's those few that if anybody knows any Scripture, they know a few. John 3.16 and one many people knows the 23rd Psalm. Begins, the Lord is my shepherd. So we, we, we're familiar with the picture, but the reality is most of us have Little to no experience with real sheep and real shepherds. I actually talked with a couple of folks at the first service who did. They've raised sheep. Their son raised, one of their sons raises sheep. I know we've got an old shepherd in the back this morning, but, but for most of us, like me, I have zero experience with real living sheep. And I've only met a couple of shepherds in my lifetime. But the folks here in the first century in A.D. 30, they were very familiar with sheep. And as we take zoom the lens out a little bit from our 
theme looking at I am the door. Let's go back up to the beginning of chapter 10. And we'll see that Jesus is talking here in this section about shepherds and sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And we're going to continue on to the, our theme phrase and verse here in just a little bit, but I want to stop here because we see that just like we don't understand sheep and shepherds very well, the audience right here, they know sheep and shepherds really well, but they're still confused. <laughs> Some of us get that a lot. We open up the Bible, we'll read something God says, and we finish and we go, I have no idea what He just said. Yeah, you've been there? And these folks were there. Jesus just told this story and they go, yeah, got it. <laughs> no, we don't have a clue. And so, I want to help us grasp a little bit of what He's saying. Two things will help us understand what Jesus said in those first six verses. First thing, it will help us to understand a little bit about shepherding in the first century. Again, even though I was around in the first century, I don't know much about shepherding, so I had to read on this. Most first century villages in Israel had quite a few shepherds living in the village. And so most every village in Israel in that day and time, and especially in the region of Judea, which was prime shepherding uh, territory, every village would have a common sheepfold. It was made, it had high walls, typically made out of stone with thorns or pottery or something in the top that was sharp that would keep bad things out and good things in. It had one door, one gate. And all of the shepherds in the community, when they would come in at the evening from their day of the, having the sheep out grazing and pasturing, they'd bring them in and they would put their sheep in the sheep fold, the sheep pen. And so all of the sheep from all the different shepherds were in the pen and then there would be a gatekeeper. It was either depending on the village, uh, shepherds would take turns. You know, tonight's your night, tomorrow's night, my night, and then Bob is on Thursday, you know, and everybody had their different night. Or they all went home to rest and they hired somebody who their job was a night watchman for the sheep, fen, the sheep pen, the sheep fold. That is the picture in this analogy. Secondly, to understand what Jesus is saying, we have to connect the dots that his audience misses. They know all that part. But we have to remember that when we read this, and whenever you read the Scripture, that those chapter markings that are there don't always make sense. They were added centuries after the Bible was written by translators, and sometimes they're in just the weirdest places. And sometimes, even if it may not be a wholly bad place, it, we 
may not recognize that this connects with what was just before. So it is in this case. Chapter 10 is just the continuation of what's going on in chapter 9. It's the same day, same setting as chapter 9 ends. And so we really have to get the picture for chapter 9 if we want to understand what Jesus is saying here in chapter 10. If you recall, last week we left off at the end of chapter 8. Jesus and the disciples left the temple. They'd come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. They'd come in in the middle of the week. It was a week-long feast. They were there. Jesus taught in the temple and there was uh, wrangling and some confrontation with the religious leaders. They stuck around for a day or a few days after the Feast of Booths and Jesus is continuing to teach and there's more verbal wrangling, verbal wrestling with these religious leaders. And at the end of chapter 8, Jesus leaves the temple and as best as we can tell from the text, He doesn't come back to the temple until the end of chapter 10, the end of the chapter we're in. But at, the end, at that time, it's two months later. It's mid-October at the end of chapter 8. It's mid-December at the end of chapter 10. Chapter 9 is right after Jesus has left the temple. And Jesus and the disciples are leaving. And they pass a man who is born blind who's sitting there begging by the side of the road. And the disciples say, Jesus, tell us about this guy. Who is it that sinned? Was it him or his parents? That, and, and that's why he was born blind. His fault or his parents. And Jesus messes with their theology, which is wrong here, because they think that there's always this one-to-one correlation. And uh, he says, no, 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 no. Neither one is true, but rather this man was born blind so that God's work would be seen in him. And with that, you know the story. Jesus knelt down by the man and he spit into the dust and he made a little paste and he put it on the man's eyes and tells him, go down to the pool of Siloam and wash. And the man goes off. And Jesus leaves. And he washes and he can see. (laughs) And he comes back and Jesus is gone and he, he goes and he... His neighbors, those who knew him, are amazed because here's this guy who can see. And so some of them are thinking, this is somebody different because, you know, our friend, our neighbor can't see. And they, but no, this is the guy. And they realize, yeah, he, he, he can now see. He, it's a miracle. And they, they're all confused, but they take him to the, to the temple and to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees begin to question him. He says, there I was, and this guy named Jesus came along and he <laughs> tells the story. And they, oh, you know, they're, they, they're questioning him and they're saying, well, you know, give glory to God, but denounce this Jesus. And the guy's kind of taken back and, and, um, at first they try to dispute it, they try to figure out, you, you know, you couldn't have been the guy who was born blind and, and they, they just, They're all upset. They send him away. They drag in the guy's parents. They try to get the parents to say, well, no, he really wasn't born blind, but he was. And they try to get the parents to tell him what happened. And he says, look, I don't know. They said, you know, we don't know what happened. They're afraid of these Jewish leaders, by the way, because they've heard that the Jewish leaders are excommunicating, disfellowshipping anyone who's a supporter of Jesus. And so they just, at that point, they just say, look, 
our son is of age, go talk to him. <laughs> but yes, he was born blind. That's all they'll say. They go back, they drag the man back in, they question him more, and they threaten him. They tell him, this man Jesus is a sinner. You know why they say Jesus is a sinner? Because it's the Sabbath. It's Saturday. It's the day when we're not supposed to work and there you were and Jesus healed you on the Sabbath. He obviously is a lawbreaker who cares nothing about God. So denounce this Jesus. Give glory to God that you can see, but denounce Jesus. And the guy goes, what? And they said, because we have no idea where this man comes from. And the guy goes, this is an interesting thing. Never in the history of the world has a blind man been, been healed and been given sight. And you guys can't figure out where he came from. He's from God. And they are so upset with him, they kick him out of the temple. They disfellowship him. They excommunicate him from the temple, from the synagogue. They're saying, you're out. Jesus hears about this and Jesus goes and seeks this man out. The man has never seen Jesus. <laughs> he comes up and Jesus introduces himself and says he believed and he worshipped him. The man fell down and worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus begins to teach with the disciples and this man and there are some of the Pharisees who followed this man along. And they're on the fringe of the crowd and they listen. And there's just a few lines and then we come to chapter 10 and that's where Jesus is speaking. It's, that's the background here, the setting. And so Jesus, as He gives this analogy in these first six verses between the false, the, the false shepherds, the robbers and the thieves, and the good shepherd, the true shepherd... Jesus is wanting us to understand how we can distinguish the true shepherd from the false shepherds. He wants us to see that He is the true shepherd. Three things in these, these six verses that help us understand how we can know who the true shepherd is. First of all, in, the, in verses 2 and 3, we see that the true shepherd is the one who has the right entrance into the sheepfold. Anyone who comes over the wall, he says, is a thief and a robber. There's the gatekeeper who's guarding that front door and the robber goes over the wall in the back and his, his goal is to take a sheep or two, toss them over the wall, and get out of there. So if you see somebody go over the wall, they're not the shepherd. Okay, The true shepherd has the right entrance. For him to have the right entrance, he comes through the gate. He's admitted by the gatekeeper. And to be admitted by the gatekeeper, he has to have the right credentials. He has to meet the criteria. He's a, a shepherd who has sheep in the fold. Jesus is saying that there are gatekeepers that validate his identity, his credentials as the true shepherd. What would those be? Well, quite simply as we see through all the Gospels that they're constantly, and Jesus is constantly pointing them back to the, the prophecies of the Old Testament. The Word of God validates who Jesus is. He is the 
true shepherd. Also, we see, by the way, in all the Gospels, we see that Jesus is preceded and He is announced and He is validated by the prophet that God has sent before Him, John the Baptist, who, who all of these folks, really all of Israel, recognized that John the Baptist was a prophet of God. And John said that he came as the one, the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus said, he is, or John said, he is the one whose shoelaces I am not worthy to tie. Jesus has the right entrance to be the true shepherd. There's a second way to identify the true shepherd and that is by His relationship to the sheep. We see that in verses 3 and verse 5. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. He calls the sheep. Not only does He call the sheep, but He says He calls them His own sheep by name. He doesn't just go, Here, sheep, 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 sheep. Come on, sheep. Come on. Come on, guys. Everybody, come on. He says, hey, Sparky, come on, Sparky. Come on. All right, you, you are sleepy. Wake up. Come on, come on. You too, you know. You know. Hey, fuzzy face, you know. Yeah, you. And he, he's got nicknames for them all. Just like we do for the animals that we have and we care for. we got names for them. And, and uh, you know, our dog is Asia, but I have about four different names that I call her, depending on my mood and her, her activity. And these days she's deaf and she can't hear any of the names I call her. But that's a... <laughs> You see, the true shepherd knows his sheep intimately and he calls them by name. By the way, there's a lesson there for us because Jesus, the true shepherd, knows us intimately. That's comforting, by the way. You're not going to get to heaven and, and all of a sudden he's going to go, What? I, I, wait, wait a minute. I never knew that. You're out. <laughs> he he knows, knows us very well, every bit. And it says the sheep know His voice and they come to Him. Our shepherd friends this morning I was talking said, they, that's right. He said, our son is the shepherd. When he's gone, we try to call the sheep and get them here. They will not come. They will not follow us. They will not do anything. When our son comes home, just says, and they all come. And they all follow Him everywhere. So it's absolutely true. Sheep know their shepherd and the shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep follow the shepherd, but they will not follow the stranger, he says. And I think Jesus is saying, don't be surprised, religious leaders, that this man who was formerly blind no longer listens to you. He is th These most powerful people in the nation have stood up and, and said, you need to denounce Jesus. And he's going, uh-uh. Because he's heard the true shepherd. He's following the shepherd. Pharisees, religious leaders, don't be surprised that so many in the nation are believing in Jesus and following Him because they have heard the voice of their shepherd. Jesus, as we'll see, He's calling out sheep out of this sheepfold. The sheepfold is Israel and He's calling people out of this sheepfold of Israel. 
Many Jews had thought, and mistakenly so, that just because they were born as a descendant of Abraham, just because they have a lineage, a physical heritage that comes from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and all the way down, that, that we're good with God. God is good with us. We are in because we were born into the right family. The Scripture is clear and Jesus here is saying that being born into the nation of Israel doesn't make you one of His sheep. doesn't make you one of God's sheep. You're not saved just because you were born into the right family. And as it was true then, it's still true today. You are not saved. You are not good with God just because you were born to a mom and a dad who are believers. Just because you... You know, your your grandparents and great grandparents and go back as many generations as you can count and they were all believers in Jesus Christ and so you're good. No, you're not. It's not a matter of family. It's a matter of relationship with the shepherd, which is personal. There's a third characteristic of the true shepherd that's here that Jesus points out and that is his care for the sheep. Verse 4 It says that when He has brought out all His own sheep, He goes before them and the sheep follow Him for they know His voice. The shepherd cares for the sheep and it shows in several things. He he brings out the sheep. He, He brings them out of the fold and He's leading them to pasture. See, He's meeting the needs of the sheep. The good shepherd takes care and He he provides the the pasture land, the pasture they need, the, the water they need. He takes care of all their needs. And that's why the shepherd is taking them into the fold and out of the fold. And There's another thing I notice. He says there in verse 4, when he has brought out all his sheep. See, the good shepherd, the true shepherd has concern for every sheep every individual sheep that's His and He leaves none behind. In that communal sheepfold, there may be hundreds of sheep, but He only takes His and He doesn't leave a one of His behind. That's the true shepherd. And the true shepherd, it says, He goes in front of them. He goes before them and they follow. He leads the sheep. He doesn't drive them by force. He doesn't intimidate them by fear and push them ahead. He leads them and they follow Him because they know that He is gentle. He's trustworthy. He's emphasizing the the tenderness of the shepherd. See, as Jesus paints this picture of the true shepherd, I think though Jesus doesn't say it, I think Jesus is counting on the fact that His audience here, which has these Jewish leaders and all these Jewish people who were all raised in Jewish homes and they went to Sabbath school and they, and they, in their school, they all learned and studied the Scriptures. They know the Scriptures and I think Jesus is counting on the fact that they will make a connection to some of the Scriptures they've heard. And they will remember that not only is God our shepherd, but that He appointed these religious leaders to be shepherds. To care for His flock. And maybe they'll remember the words of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34. God speaks and says some things about 
those shepherds who are to shepherd His flock. The Word of the Lord came to me, it's Ezekiel, saying, and now here's the words of God, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat of the curds and you clothe yourselves with the wool and you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the stray or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. It's a stinging indictment that God gave about the spiritual leaders, the supposed spiritual shepherds of His people back in Ezekiel's day, who fed and clothed themselves off the sheep, but they didn't care for the sheep. They didn't help the weak and the injured. They didn't bring back the stray or the lost. And they were authoritative, domineering, self-centered people. Tragically, it was true in Ezekiel's day, and tragically, it's true in our day as well. You don't have to look very far. You will find many people who are in the, quote, ministry of God, but they are in it for personal gain. They are fleecing the sheep and not shepherding at all. TVs, airwaves, and even churches are full of such folks. But it was also a fitting description of these leaders, and I think Jesus is counting on as He talks of the shepherd and the sheep, that folks will start to make the connection about these folks who are the religious leaders who are so harsh and brutal that the people are afraid of them. That blind man's parents were afraid to speak and say anything for the fear of these leaders. You see that back in chapter 7 at the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths where it says everybody was talking about Jesus, but they were doing it quiet. He was these leaders in Jesus' day. They've just excommunicated a man, disfellowshipped him from the, the temple and the synagogues in Israel because he wouldn't denounce Jesus. And yet their only charge against Jesus is that He healed this man on the Sabbath. They would rather that this man go through life continuing to be blind than to be healed by Jesus on the Sabbath day because they thought that for Him to heal on the Sabbath was work. But them dragging this man and this man's parents and this man back in and grilling him and all of this stuff, that's not work. <laughs> Hypocrisy and just uncaring men. They're not spiritual at all. Back in Ezekiel, the Lord goes on to say something remarkable. And this again is where I think Jesus is counting on these folks to make the connection. God goes on to say that one day He's going to remove those false shepherds. And then He says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I Myself will search for My sheep, and I will seek them out. 
As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them. And I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them or enable them to lie down, declares the Lord. He'll bring those sheep that are scattered and, and, and are suffering and He'll give them a place to rest. Did you see that? God says, and in verse 15, He says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. Here are these ungodly, self-centered religious leaders who are fleecing the sheep. And onto the scene walks Jesus who goes about healing the sick, comforting the hurting, calling out the downtrodden and the outcast, seeking out those who are trapped in and who are broken in sin And Jesus offers forgiveness and eternal life. You see, Jesus is saying the true shepherd is here. And the true shepherd is the Lord God Himself. As Ezekiel said, but the people don't get it. And so that brings us to verse 7. That's our verse for the day. And you guys are going, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be done now? Yes. But don't panic. That was the longest introduction ever. But the sermon is really short. (laughs) It really is. And we come to this, and Jesus here in verse 7 to 10 is the door of the sheep. I'm going to read the verses, and then very quickly we'll get through this. Verse 7, so Jesus said to them, again He said to them, this is tied to what He just said before, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before Me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus changes up this sheep analogy a little bit. He still stays with the whole sheep thing, but He changes it a little bit. Before, Jesus was the shepherd, the true shepherd. Now Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the door of the sheep. Again, it helps us to understand just a little bit about first century shepherding. Because He's not only changing the analogy a little bit with who He is, He's changing the picture of the sheepfold. You see, the sheepfold before was the the village common village sheepfold. This sheepfold is the one when the shepherd has to take the sheep away from town a good ways because the pasture land is farther out and the water is farther out and he has to travel farther and they can't come back to the village at night. It's too far. So you have to camp out and stay out here on the mountainside, the hillsides. How do you take care of these sheep? out there in the middle of nowhere. Well, they would build a temporary sheepfold. They would take sticks and shrubs and thorn bushes and build a temporary sheepfold. And there at night, they would move the sheep in where they're in safety, where they won't wander off and where the the animals of prey can't get to them. But there's no gate because you don't have hinges and hardware and what typically the shepherd would do in that situation is he lies in front of the 
the doorway. And literally the shepherd becomes the gate. He becomes the door. That the sheep, if they're going to go out, they have to go through the shepherd. And if the animal of prey is going to come in, he has to come through the shepherd. The shepherd is the gate. And Jesus says, I am the door. I am the gate of the sheep. Now you get the picture? Five quick points. Jesus is the door for the sheep. We're the sheep. Wasn't just those people in Israel, it's all of us. Because he says in a minute, if anyone or whoever, and last I checked, you're as good as anyone as anyone. <laughs> if anyone enters by me, see, any sheep, anyone, Jesus is the gate for the sheep, and that can include you. Secondly, Jesus is the door to salvation. If anyone enters by me, if you come through the gate of Jesus, He says, you will be saved. Saved, when the Bible talks about being saved, it means to be saved or rescued from sin, from the penalty, the consequence of sin, which the Bible describes as hell, eternal separation from God. And when you're saved from the consequence of sin, you are saved to eternal life and to heaven. Jesus is the gate, the door to salvation. Jesus is also, verse 9, He is the door, He says, that will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door to freedom and rest. When you and I come to Jesus the gate, we are able to go in and out to pasture and rest. You know what Jesus is saying? When you come to Him, you will find freedom and rest. You see, when you and I have a relationship with Jesus, when He is our shepherd, we are under His care. We are under His protection. And you are absolutely secure. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. We can go to lots of places, but he says, What shall separate or who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or, or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? Absolutely not. He doesn't, by the way, say you won't experience any of those things. He says that in the middle of any of those things, you will never be separated from God's love. You'll never be separated from Christ. He will always be with you. He always has you under His care. And He is always, as He goes on, or as He says a little bit earlier in that, that He is always working everyone in any one of those situations for our good. So we don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. Some of you need to hear that. If you're trusting in Jesus, you can relax and trust Him. He's your shepherd. He's the door to salvation. He's the door to freedom. Verse 9 and 10, especially verse 10, He says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the door to abundant full life, to real life. In the Greek, that word abundant actually means super abundant or exceedingly full. It is life to the max. When we hear that through 20th century American ears, we tend to think, well, that means the American dream. I get the big house, the big car. I get a couple of yachts. I get a jet. I get furs. I get, you know, oh, that's not it. 
And it's not that your life isn't going to have any problems. All you have to do is, matter of fact, Jesus Himself says, you know, you, they, will, they hated Me, they're going to hate you. You're going to suffer some if you follow Jesus. But at the same time He says that, He says you'll have abundant life to the full, exceedingly full. What does He mean by that? By the way, all those things that everybody thinks are such treasures, the big mansions and the, and the, the furs and the diamonds and the jets and all of that stuff, they think those are treasures. You know, in the whole picture of eternity, those are trinkets. What is the great treasure? What is it this full life that Jesus is offering here? Well, it's a life that has meaning. It's a life that has purpose. It's a life that's full. But it is a life that also has the greatest treasure that there is. And it's not money and it's not stuff. It is an intimate personal relationship with the real lover of your soul, with the great and true shepherd. It is what Paul says that I count everything else but loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's nothing greater, nothing higher, nothing better than knowing Christ Jesus. And he says, for this I strain and I press on. He goes, so that I may know Him. Jesus is the door to salvation, the door to freedom, the door to abundant life. Lastly, just to notice, He is, it says, the door, not a door. He's the only door. There is no other way. This is a warning from Jesus and He says, all the others are false teachers. They are are false shepherds. They are the robbers and the thieves. Don't be fooled, He is saying. Every other religion, every other philosophy, every other ism, any other shepherd who comes along and promotes and pushes anything except faith and trust in Jesus Christ or something above and beyond faith and trust in Jesus Christ is not the shepherd at all. They are the robber and the thief. And he says what they bring instead of eternal life, they bring death. Instead of abundant life, they bring waste and destruction. As the Apostle Peter said, Acts chapter 4, he says, There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. There is only one shepherd. There is only one gate. Only one door. It's Jesus. Jesus is the true shepherd. You'll notice again, I mentioned that He's calling out from the the sheepfold, and that's the fold of Israel. Later, we'll see next week in the next little section, Jesus says, I have other folds. He's talking about the rest of the world. That's us. And I'm calling out sheep from there. But His point is, by the way, that not every sheep is saved. Not every sheep is His sheep. And we wonder which ones are Jesus' sheep. Well, He's already said it. It's the ones who come when He calls. My sheep hear My voice and they come. There's an invitation here. Jesus is calling. He said back in John chapter 3, verse 16, those words we know so well, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
And that's Jesus' call. Are you trusting Him? Father, thank You for loving us so much that You sent Jesus. God, You became man, dwelt among us, lived among us in order to rescue us and save us. To save us from the penalty that our sin has earned us and to give us life. Father, if there's anyone here who has not responded to the call, who has not placed their faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that even now they would understand just how great is Your love, how great is Your grace, the free gift You offer in Christ. And then there's some who maybe have been sheep that are wandering. I pray that maybe they've been reminded of how great is Your love and how foolish and just really unimaginable it is that we would run away from the great Shepherd who loves us so and who gives abundant life. There's nothing else that satisfies ultimately and nothing else that lasts. Lord, may they return to You and find the grace and the joy and the abundance that You desire so much for them. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.